Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Ready for this? Thoughts coming at you. Thoughts bodies coming, coming <laughs> at you. New episode uh, uh, of uh, Anxiety in Children. Uh, uh, Y'all ready for this? All right. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, your favorite podcast, potentially some days. This is KJ. This is Taylor. And this is Jessica. We're talking about anxiety in kids today, which is one of my favorite things to work on in therapy because kids respond really well to treatment for anxiety. So what we're going to talk about today is identifying if your child has anxiety, if they have the level that they need to go to therapy, and then what to do kind of at home to help them. And we'll dig into that a little bit more in a separate episode, but today will just be a few like quick starter things to help you kind of put out the fires that are you know, probably happening in your home if you have a child who has a lot of anxiety. But particularly this week, we're going to be focusing on some of the signs that your child has anxiety that you wouldn't think mean anxiety. Mm. Ah. Let's get started. Shall we? We shall. We shall. (laughs) Okay, so as you remember in our last episode, we talked about anxiety, and Taylor defined it as being stressed beyond all control, I believe, is the word she used. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the way we define it for kids, um, what I would say in my office, when they looked at my big feelings poster and they would say, what's anxiety? Because most kids don't know that word. I would say it's a mixture of worried and scared. And this really helped kids understand and put it into context because they don't really understand if you say, oh, you know, it's that tense feeling that you get in your stomach when you have a lot going on and you feel powerless and out of control. They're like, "Um, I'm not resonating with that. But if you just say it's a mix of worry and scared, they totally get it. And they're like, oh, okay, sometimes I feel anxious, which is great. So that they feel that or that they know what it means. Identify that. Well, it depends because are they feeling it at a time that it's useful or a time that it's not useful, you know? Ah, okay. Yeah. But it's always great if they know what it means, I would say. Okay, so when I was a little girl, oh, I just want to sing from Lion King. When I was a little girl, when I was a young warthog. Thank you, Taylor. You're welcome. So when I was little, I had a lot of anxiety that took over my body, but wasn't necessarily presenting as crazy worries. So let me give you an example of that. When I was little, I would suck on my shirt when I was a tiny child. I remember my mom being like, I'm not going to buy you new clothes for school if you keep sucking on your shirts because she was like, Why do you keep sucking on your shirts? I don't know. But like I would suck on the collar, like pull it out and you guys can't see. So I'm not going to act it out here. But I would do that. 
And then what, oh, and before that I would suck on my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom told me I would get hairballs. So that was also fun. As I got older and I was more in school, I remember being in third grade and I started having a series wait, of... Wait, wait, wait. Can we go, can we go back to the hairball thing? <laughs> did, it's a real thing. Did really hairball stress you out to hear your mom say it was going to give you hairballs or did that well, work? And my dad told me to and he was a doctor, so I believed him. Um, it did... I think it probably yeah, worked. Did you, I stopped. Did you stop doing it? Yeah, I did stop. I don't still do it. (laughs) (laughs) But it probably was like I stopped sucking on my hair and then I transitioned to sucking on my shirt. So, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I did stop and I did believe my dad. And actually, it is a real thing. But you would have to ingest a lot of hair, apparently. I've looked it up as an adult. Is that the best intervention to do as like a parent? I think my mom had no idea I was dealing with anxiety. Yeah. So that's why. So she was like, stop sucking on your shirt. And I was like, (laughs) I'm so anxious right now. Like, I had no idea either. Yeah. So, yeah, she was just doing her best. So she was like, you're going to get hairballs. So I would actually, like, my hair was always short when I was little because my mom didn't want me to be able to reach it. So if we were at the hair salon, she would, like, they would measure to see if I could reach it to my Smart. Oh my I gosh, forgot I about that. this till right now. Like I so admire and love my mother, and I love that she was like, "This is the only thing we can do." Remove the trigger. Remove the trigger. Me. Exactly. So I did. That's probably when I stopped. Actually, was when the hair was so short it broke the habit. So then I sucked on my shirt. Then I went. Oh, I remember in second grade, I would lick my lips, and so I would have what we called at my house four lips. So there was like an extra set of lips outside of mine that were really, really red and painful. Um, And I had that in my school picture. It's called lip lickers, lip lickers dermatitis, I think. (gasps) Thank you. That could be wrong. I should check. (laughs) I think it's probably four lips. So probably is four lips. If we're talking about the technical term, four lips is probably accurate. That's probably it. Yep. Yeah. So then I transitioned to that. And then in third grade, I started having stomach aches. And um, so my this is actually very genius, which would never be allowed today. But what my mom does did is she gave my teacher a package of Tums and said, if Jessica has a stomach ache, she can ask you for a Tums and that will take care of it. And so I occasionally would go to the teacher and be like, I have a stomach ache. And instead of going home, I would get a Tums. And I felt like the most important kid in that freaking classroom. Like I was so great. And this kid who was very popular and was very popular all the way through high school, he was always so jealous that I got Tums and he didn't. (laughs) And I felt so cool. It's the little things. It is. Yeah. Not really allowed now. I don't think you can like have medicine like that, you know, but it was genius back then. Mm -hmm. So And then in sixth grade, I remember exactly what class I was in when I started picking my split ends. And that habit continues today. I was about to say, I remember seeing you do that in grad school. (laughs) And so I still pick my split ends. Not nearly as much as I used to, but I still do. And when I do, I know that I'm feeling more anxiety than normal. And so I like take a look inside and see what's happening. So I had all of these signs all growing up that my body was in like this state of hypertension and it needed to relax. So my body was doing what it needed to relax. But the problem was they were 
negative habits that caused me more pain, right? Like having four lips was not fun. Having stomach aches was not fun. Sucking on my shirt ruined all my shirts, things like that. So getting a hairball was not fun. I didn't know that I had anxiety. No one told me that. It wasn't until I was really probably like 22 that I like really was like, oh, I have this problem. And so before that, I just had a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. I would try and make everything work. And even as a little kid, like, you know, I would try and get 100% on my math test. And I would work really hard on my projects to make sure that they were all right. And I would procrastinate a ton, which is also interestingly a sign of perfectionism because if you procrastinate long enough then if you fail you can blame it on your procrastinating not on your abilities so I would do a lot of things like this that led to more anxiety and were because of anxiety but no one was saying like hey you have anxiety you should maybe practice meditation or whatever and so I was able to get through school and really I did really well in school because of my anxiety so thank you anxiety But then when I was in college is when like my stress levels got so high that I started to need to take care of my anxiety in a new way, which was great. But before that, I was in that kind of sweet zone of I'm anxious, but I'm handling it. Even though the ways I was handling it were negative, they weren't so negative that it was like a huge problem, right? Like I wasn't, I was going to say killing people, but that's not a response to anxiety. I don't know. I you you weren't be. like staying in your house all day. Yes, exactly. I wasn't like yes, I wasn't like shutting down. I wasn't failing school and not trying as a result. I was trying really hard. I just also had to pick my split ends for an hour throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Which is not the end of the world, right? And so that's how it presents in kids. It just presents as all these little tiny behaviors that you're like there's like this black hole and everything's being drawn towards it. And all these weird behaviors are happening. What's the black hole. And a lot of times that black hole is anxiety. And so kids can present as big worriers like, Oh, mom and dad are going to lose the house. Oh, I can't go to school because my mom is going to die while I'm there. Oh, if I don't turn this light switch on, then my family is going to die. You know, there's just this huge myriad of, irrational thoughts that kids have. But then there's also this emotional intensity that can come out of anxiety. So if you have a child who's like zero to 60 into anger or crying or frustration, you know, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, it's probably anxiety and it's probably triggered by feeling powerless. So they feel powerless, they feel anxious, and then they have a huge reaction, right? And so they present as these two very different things. I worry all the time or I'm intensely angry and sad and out of control. But the root is the same. I feel like I can't exert power in my life for some reason. So a perfect example is sibling dynamics, right? I want my sister to play Candyland with me. My sister all of a sudden is winning and I get so mad and I accuse her of cheating and I throw the board because I I'm think that so happened angry. at my house this afternoon. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of like, I'm out of control and I'm going to freak out instead of having to feel this yucky, uh, what if I don't win feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be that I'm powerless, I'm scared, I'm worried I'm not going to win. 
mm, those feelings are uncomfortable. Anger goes away really fast. I'm just going to get angry and freak out. So it makes sense. Yeah. But it's not that happy to live with a child who is <laughs> zero to 60 several times a day. Mm-hmm. Arguing, um, freaking out, going to their room and sobbing. They will often sound depressed, like, nobody likes me and I have no friends and everything's awful and I'm the worst at school and all of this kind of stuff. But it, that's really rooted in anxiety, especially in children. There are definitely kids who have depression, but kids more often have anxiety because that's a normal kid feeling to feel powerless. And so if they don't learn to embrace the fact that, you know, we all are powerless and we have to learn how to have power as you get older, then they just breed all this anxiety. So some of the behaviors that you'll see in kids who have anxiety are those intense worries. Um, And then that emotional intensity, a lot of irritability, anger, frustration, intense sadness, things that come on really quick. But then you'll also see a lot of those psychosomatic issues that Taylor talked about in our last episode. So you'll see stomach issues. I had one girl who would vomit every time that she was really anxious about something. And it took a long time in therapy for me and her mom to convince her that it wasn't just because of the food she ate. She was afraid to eat these foods because she thought it would make her throw up. But really, she was throwing up because she was in these situations. So she learned to start to realize, oh, when I feel nauseous, I need to tell my mom so that she can take care of me and help me, you know? So she did really well when she identified the root. They will have a lot of sleeping problems. You'll see anxious kids who are little baby insomniacs, and they will seem like they don't need sleep. So they'll like run around, be happy, you know, but then you can tell they're just getting grouchier and grouchier. It's because they really do need that sleep, but they're afraid to go to sleep because when our mind is idle, that's when our worries pick up. And that's when we can notice all the tension that we've been ignoring all day, but all of our mental energy to put that stuff away is gone. And so it just overwhelms us. So you'll see a lot of kids who are like, I don't want to go to sleep or they have nightmares Or they wake up several times a night. Or they're the ones who are coming out to get a drink five times. That kind of a thing. Or would this make sense if, like, your kid is just so worried that people are going to, like, they're going to be unsafe when they sleep? Oh, yeah, that they're going to get kidnapped? Yeah. Number of kids who are like, I'm going to be kidnapped. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because they're just so terrified of that. And so... With things like that, I would go through, hey, so what does your mom and dad do to keep you safe at night? Do they lock the doors? Do they sleep in their room by you? Do they have an alarm system if they do, you know, all of this stuff? And the kids are like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, your parents are doing everything to make sure that you're safe. So if anything happens, they're there to help you and that kind of a thing. But yeah, that's super typical. That's a combination of sleeping problems and worries, right? So they'll have difficulty doing daily activities. So that's like me when I was little and I was like, I can't go to school because I have a stomach ache or um, I'm doing math and I just shut out, like shut down and zone out because it's getting too hard and I'm anxious about it. So I'm just not going to try. Or um, I suddenly am like, I don't want to do gymnastics anymore. And the parent is like, well, why not? I just don't like it anymore. But it's really because they felt anxiety while they were there and they don't want to feel that again. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, They become really defiant. Anxious kids are very defiant 
and it can be very overwhelming for parents because parents will view it as a power struggle and parents will be like, I have to win this power struggle when really it's not at all about the power struggle. It's about the fact that your child's feeling anxious. And if you calm down your child, they don't need to fight with you anymore. But if you fight with them, they will fight back and they will become more and more agitated. Bigger and bigger. Yes. Yes. And then they realize, because here's the thing about anxiety. Anxiety is hard to get to go away without doing something. And so you need to pull your hair or suck on your hair or have a huge anger response. And the thing is, the anger response works the quickest. So if I can transform my anxiety into intense anger and I can yell at my mom how much I hate her, I'm going to feel better really quick, which is like so counterintuitive, but that's how kids work. They want the fastest relief possible and we can't blame them. Like we all do. We go to the doctor and we want to feel better. And we're like, give me the drugs that make me feel better. Right. (laughs) So kids will do the same thing. And their body is saying, I feel tension. I'm going to expel it out of my body in anger. So that defiance gets bigger and bigger and bigger until they can get you or a sibling to engage with them, fight it out, and then they feel fine again. And they're happy, but you're not. You know? I love what you mentioned about like the parents' response because as a parent in those situations, I think Logan and I were literally having this conversation yesterday. They like their their actions get big and you're like, well, I don't want to reward you know, in your parent yes. mind, you're like, I don't want to mm-hmm. reward this behavior by going over and coddling them. They need to know that they can't be that disrespectful and that they can't treat me like that. They can't talk to me like that. But it's almost like every time you we take that tact, it just grows and grows and grows until inevitably we go over and hold her and mm-hmm. calm her down. So it's like, why do we get to that huge point when we could just do it earlier? It's because we have this parent brain that's like, I don't want to raise a kid that's mm-hmm. gonna be super disrespectful and unkind and not empathetic and But it's like, but that's a normal response to anxiety. And the truth mm -hmm. is, if you raise a child who can deal with anxiety, they aren't going to be disrespectful and they aren't going to be, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so you really are trying to teach her, hey, when you feel anxious, when you feel that feeling, that's rough. I need you to come and tell me that you're feeling it and I can help you get rid of it. But hitting our brother is not the best way to get rid of it because our brothers are not for hitting, you know, and then you kind of talk them through it. And then you do redos like we've talked about before in our previous episodes, you redo it and say, okay, when you're feeling anxious, let's practice. And we go and do it. And, you know, because it is, it's like, okay, if you just need to snuggle with mom for a minute, I'm happy to snuggle with you, but I would rather snuggle with you before you hit your brother rather than after, Mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, when you hit your brother, it's really hard for me to be like, Oh, you're feeling anxious. Come here. Let me help you. Cause it's like, I'm angry that you're being violent now, you know, yeah. which is a normal yeah. parent response, but it also is not going to work. Okay. So some other things that you'll see in kids with anxiety at school and things like that, they'll be very distracted and they will frequently zone out because the anxiety takes such a toll on them emotionally that they'll just zone and do nothing. It's the same thing as a, as adults. We will watch Netflix to not think about things that make us anxious. Kids will just think about nothing or will daydream because they don't have they can't turn on Netflix for themselves. But once they can, I bet they will. Yeah. So if you see your child 
watching Netflix all the time, playing video games all the time. They're probably checking out from anxious feelings. And then those physical manifestations that I talked about, like picking their hair, picking at scabs, trichotillomania is pulling out hair. So often eyelashes, eyebrows, and hair from the crown of your head usually. Um, There's just something about it that so many kids do it that there is a disorder for it, right? Um, Always shaking their leg, tapping their fingers. There's a ton of things that for us as therapists, if someone sits in front of us, we can be like, yep, they're pretty anxious. (laughs) You can just see it immediately, you know? And what's funny is I can say that to my client, right? You seem pretty anxious. Are you nervous to be here today? No, I'm not nervous, Hmm. right? And kids will be like, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm like, thank (laughs) you. Kids Kids are great that way, right? If I said, are you anxious? They'd be like, what's that? (laughs) But if I said, are you worried or scared? They'd be like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. They'd be like, okay, well, just get to know me and we'll be fine. You know, that kind of a thing. So, and then perfectionism, they'll be afraid of making mistakes. They'll do things to sabotage themselves. Oh, anxious kids sabotage themselves so much and parents keep setting them up for failure. So please don't do that for your kids. If you know your kid does not do well in a situation, either stop expecting them to behave a certain way or don't make them be in that situation. But like, if you say, Oh, my child, I, if you can be good for nine days and then I'll get you this prize. And on day eight, they wet the bed again. It's probably because they're self-sabotaging because the idea of achieving it is too much for them to handle. It makes them too anxious. So they sabotage and then they're safe again. It's very reverse psychology. But that's what they do. So, Okay. Next, so let's talk about how to kind of help your child through their anxious feelings and teaching them about their anxiety. So if you're seeing all this stuff, that's good and it's bad, right? (laughs) There are things that anxiety really helps with, right? Like I got really good grades because I was very anxious about not getting good grades. It did not help me when I would be up at midnight picking my split ends because I was so stressed in high school. So there are times that it helps. There's times that it doesn't help. So what you need to do is help to teach your child what those times are. So, hey, you're feeling anxious right now and we're in a really crowded place and you're probably feeling a little unsafe. That's helpful anxiety. How can we help that anxiety calm down so that we can stay here? Hurtful anxiety would be, hey, you know what? You're not going to school, but school really helps us and we need to learn to get you to school. That anxiety is lying to you because it's telling you that you're unsafe at school, but you're safe because we set this up with the teacher that you can call me and blah, blah, blah. And then you can kind of help them understand that that anxiety is hurtful versus helpful. Next, help them understand the underlying purpose. If they're anxious about a school project, help them understand that that's good that your anxiety wants you to do well but you don't need to yell at me while we create this project. That kind of a thing. So they can see, oh, I have this anxious feeling for a reason, but I don't need to lash out just because I have it. Then reaffirm to that child that the anxiety's purpose is to help them. And if it doesn't help them, then help them realize that they can let go of that feeling through some of the techniques we're going to talk about in just a minute. I really want you guys to teach your children the difference between that helpful and hurtful anxiety. And then you can teach them 
some of their really good coping skills and you can figure out for your child what works better. And if you're having a hard time getting them to implement any of these skills at home, that's when you should probably seek out a therapist. Because if you are staying calm, coaching them through it, and they still are escalating or they just cannot sleep at night, then you need to say, you know what? I probably need to take them to someone else who's probably going to tell them the same things I'm telling them. But hearing it from someone else who is a person of authority just makes a difference. It really does. Or if you're having kids who are self-harming and, you know, any of those really intense thoughts or becoming violent because they're feeling anxious, like they're hitting their siblings all the time, things like that, seek out help. But let's teach you some of the things you can do for them at home. The first thing, remember, anxiety is very tied to the body. So to calm down the mind, you need to calm down the body. So move it to lose it is what Dan Siegel calls it. Give them opportunities to regularly move their body. If they are dancing and doing ballet three times a week, that is three times a week that they can let go of that anxiety in their mod, in their body. If they are running around the house, that is letting go of their anxiety. You might want to be like, hey, stop running around. Stop wrestling with your sibling, you know, but they're just trying to get out those tense feelings in their body. So it's actually really good for them. So find ways to have your child move their body more often. If you need them to calm it down, then redirect them to, hey, let's do yoga together or let's go jump on the trampoline together or you know what, I'm going to scratch your back because that's engaging their body, but is not maybe wrestling their child, their sibling to the ground, things like that. Right. Next. Breathe, just breathe, teach them how to breathe. So here's my best tip. Are you guys ready for this? Probably you not. have a, yeah. <laughs> Well, then KJ can't listen. So the rest of you are ready. I can feel it. If you have a little boy who is anxious and angry, teach him to breathe by teaching him that this is how snipers breathe. What? So you breathe in a square, right? So you breathe in for four seconds. You hold it for four seconds. You let it out for as long as possible. And then you breathe in and hold it and breathe out. And on and on you go. But teach them that snipers breathe in, they hold it, they cock the gun, and when they breathe out, they shoot. Exhale. Yeah. And that is what makes them such good shots. Mm. So little boys love that because it's 100% true. That's literally something that they teach in the Army. I'm not just saying that. So (laughs) that's super awesome. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Girls also might be interested in that. That's great. Wonderful. Um, otherwise you can make up whatever you want, right? You can also do blowing out the birthday candles because that helps them breathe out for a long time or blowing up a balloon. You have to breathe in, but you have to breathe out for a really long time Mm -hmm. to get the balloon to do that. Like first, my sister will hold her finger in front of her kid's mouth and then they blow it away and her finger goes as far, 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 far. And they always want to get it farther and farther and farther. And then she like squiggles it back to their mouth and then they have to do it again. That is exactly what we want. See, Mm -hmm. A plus. A plus, Tani. Good job, Tani. Very proud of you. Yeah. 
So the next thing you want to do is slow down the reaction of your child so that they can realize that that feeling is not out of their control, that they can manage it with your help and they can manage it all by themselves really is the ultimate goal. Mm. So that's when you, Hey, I can see that you're getting super angry or you're getting super anxious, or I can see you have big worries today. Let's take a second, just breathe and remember that there's more to life than just our worries. What's some other things that we have in our life? Well, we have our beautiful dog. Let's go pet our dog for a second. And then while they're petting the dog, say, okay, can you tell me what those big worries are? Oh, wow. That does seem hard. If you don't make the soccer team, I would be super worried about that too. You know what? I am a little bit worried for you, but I'm going to be here and I'm going to love you whether you make the team or not. What can we do to prepare you so that tomorrow you have a good tryout? Mm-hmm. And then you can go on, you know, I love Instead how you said that too. Cause you weren't like, Oh, let's go pet the dog. Oh, they're distracted. Now we're fine. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, you, yes, no, you I like, would go through the, anger. yeah. And then you yeah. like continue that conversation, which as parents, sometimes we're very tempted to not go back to that place oh, because yeah. it's more work. But at the same time, like, it's just going to happen again. Like, yes. Cause we definitely want to be like, Oh, the feeling's done. Right. So we're good. Yeah. But you really want to process all the way through it so that the feeling can be done. Mm-hmm. Right. So with older kids, You can name anxiety and draw a picture of it. And they respond really well to this. I did this a lot in therapy and they would get really into drawing their anxiety. It was cute. And so I'd have them draw a picture of them and then a picture of their anxiety because this helps them realize that it's something separate from them that they can control and manage. So if it comes, they can't control whether it comes or not, but they can control how they react and they can control how often it comes, if it's coming more and more often or less and less, things like that. So, and then you can coach your child and say, hey, what does your anxiety need right now? Oh, does it need to talk or does it need for a solution to happen? Or what is your anxiety helping you or hurting you right now? Okay. And then what can I do to help? What does mom need to do or what can dad do to help you calm down? So those are some real quick coping skills that hopefully will give you kind of an idea of where to start with your kids. Remember, kids have anxiety. That is normal feeling. It's a helpful feeling, and it really will help them do a lot with their lives. If they're having too much anxiety, you can help them learn to manage it, to calm down, to understand why they have it, and then move forward. Remember, just because your child is angry doesn't mean that you have this like violent temper tantrum kid. It usually means they're feeling out of control and they're trying to get back into control. And when you can view it that way, you're going to be a lot less angry at them. Because when we have two angry people, things don't really get accomplished. So try and calm down, (laughs) even though it's really, really hard. Try and calm down, right? And then lastly, remember that you can feel anxiety on people. They feel tense in your presence and you can be like, you know what? My child is feeling like really on edge all the time. And I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around them. That probably means that there's an underlying feeling that hasn't been resolved. And so try and dig and try and get to it. And if you can't, then seek help. Mm -hmm. So takeaways, talk to your kids about anxiety, teach them what that feeling is and teach them how to identify it in their body. 
you know, hey, it's that really tense feeling that you get when you're nervous. It's butterflies in your stomach. Have you ever felt that? When have you felt that? When you go to school tomorrow, you might feel it. Can you notice that and tell me when you get home? That kind of a thing. And then start to use some of those positive coping skills. Hey, let's implement regular yoga or, you know what, we're going to get you into dance because you need to be moving your body more, things like that. So take those things, go home, do it, and hopefully you can shift some things around in your kids. Dope. Round of applause for our resident child expert, Jessica. Crushing it. kids. Crushing it. They're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in. If this was helpful to you and you feel like it may benefit someone else, please share. We are planning future episodes and some things coming up include discussions on seasonal affective disorder, more discussions on the effects of social media, and an interview with a child who went to therapy for anxiety, which I think will be really cool to get her perspective on what that was like. So it can give you an idea of maybe what your kid would experience in therapy as well. So stay tuned and stay happy. (laughs) Goodbye. Yep. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Bloopers. Blueberries. Welcome to Thoughts Pod. Thoughts on thoughts? <laughs> <laughs>